0: Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. I've got a great guest for you, none other than... Then yours truly, Mr. Maddie, I'm going to be spending some time with you guys going over the X's and O's, the 101 of how to successfully invest in syndication opportunities to unlock more passive income, to generate more financial freedom. But of course, like anything, you have to know the rules of the game. You want to understand who you're playing the game with, and you want to understand the best strategies for winning the game. And as syndications have become a lot more mainstream over the course of really the last decade, you know, specifically over the last, let's say, three to five years, more and more people understanding how to put together syndication opportunities and how to pool funds in order to go and buy bigger assets, there are, one, many pros to this approach and this strategy and this vehicle, this way of investing, but there are also many downside and cons that ultimately a lot of people, unfortunately, experience more so than the upside. And so with that being said, today we're gonna be digging into what types of syndications are out there, the different types of operators, the benefits of syndications, and more importantly, as we finish off this episode, I wanna make sure that you know the five most important things to look for if you're going to do a syndication investment. Now, there are a lot of different opportunities out there for people that are accredited investors. There are also syndication opportunities for non-accredited investors. So understanding everything that goes into this type of investing, I think, is very important. And because there are more and more of these opportunities out there, that's a benefit to someone like you who's looking to leverage other people and time and resources and opportunities to grow your passive income, but you want to do that intelligently. You want to be financially literate, financially fit to make sure that you're making the best decisions with your money. So with that being said, we're going to dig in on all of those things in today's episode. But before we do, let's get to the episode right after this quick message from today's show sponsors. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process, and in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a What it do? What it don't do? What should it do? Well, I'm going to tell you guys. We got a great episode for you today, and one of the most common questions as I've started doing more syndication investment opportunities, and obviously putting out what we call offering memorandums, which is basically a, we'll just call it a a summary of the offering of the syndication. I get a lot more people asking questions, wanting to get involved in these deals. People are often looking for great vehicles and ways that they can grow their wealth, that they can generate more passive income, that they can unlock more financial freedom. But there are just like anything that's great and has potential and upside and has pros tied to it. Of course, there's always gonna be cons and a dark side and a downside as well. And if you're somebody that's looking at one, either being a syndicator, and finding ways to leverage this vehicle and this strategy for going out and buying assets by pooling investor funds and getting ownership of these properties or these opportunities that you can manage. You want to understand the ways of doing it properly if you're somebody that just wants to be a passive investor and says, hey, I don't want to be the one you know, rolling up my sleeves, doing all the hard work, managing these assets, finding these properties, putting the deal and the structurings together, I just want to know that I'm investing in a good deal with a good team. I know that there are many things that when I was first starting out, I wish I would have known. And that's what we're going to cover in the show today, because syndications are one of the best. And when I Think about all of the wealthiest and smartest people that I know. They either syndicate and pool funds to go out and buy their own deals, or they're invested in other people's deals as what we call LPs, limited partners. And there are two different types of syndications that are out there. Really, there are, we could call it three different types, but really one's a subcategory. And today I wanted to go over what I like to call the playbook of successfully investing in syndications so that way you can go and unlock more passive income. And when we talk about syndications, syndications is essentially syndicating and pooling of funds collectively to go out and leverage a bank or to leverage a debt relationship with the pooling of your funds that make up the down payment and getting a loan for the remainder of that balance and going out and buying an asset that collectively all of the people in that investment opportunity, in that syndication, based on how it's structured, get to share in the pie. And so two different types of syndications that are out there is, number one, you have what we call a single asset syndication, right? This is basically kind of like what I've done on my apartment buildings or what we've done on certain hotels, is we're just buying one asset. Here's the asset. This is the investment opportunity. Here's how we're structuring it. Here's the returns that you can get. Here's the minimum investment. And this is what you're investing into. That is one type of syndication. Another type of syndication is what we call a fund. fund meaning we're pooling a bunch of funds together. And this fund can go out and invest in multiple assets. Now, usually a fund is going to have a specific, you know, criteria set that is going to have what I like to call a buy box, right? Of hey, we're going to this fund as you invest into this fund, specifically what we call they have an investment thesis. This thesis says we want to buy, you know, multifamily assets that are class B or better that were built, you know, post 1985. In these types of markets with this type of job growth, this type of population growth, in this price point. And it is gonna produce a certain return or cash on cash, right? ROI that ultimately is gonna be what is our target and focus for this particular fund. Now, maybe we have all of these properties identified. Maybe they don't, and there's only one or two, and the remaining funds are going to be to go out and find more of those specific types of assets. That is a fund and ultimately something that can be spread across multiple properties. Then the third type is what we call, and this is really a subcategory of a fund, right, which really has more of a specific criteria and investment thesis. This is what we call a blind pool fund, and that's I don't want to say anything and everything goes, right? But it's ultimately, hey, if we find a great deal that hits X returns, you know, whether it is a laundromat, whether it's a business, whether it is a multifamily property, a mobile home park, an RV park, we're going to look at that. It could be we're investing in another crypto fund that ultimately says they can get these kind of returns and our fund is going to invest a little bit of our money into that fund. So a blind pool fund is a little bit more um, ambiguous and open now of course there's always going to be frameworks and you know specifics that are often right detailed into the documents of how the funds are structured and what they're investing in but really to simplify it you have a single asset fund uh, or syndication and you have a multi-asset fund or syndication now there's pros and cons with both of these right on a single asset, You know, it's important to understand that, you know, the pro is you know exactly what you're buying and you know exactly what you're investing in. You know exactly what market you're investing in. You know exactly what market strategy they're going to be deploying. And that allows you to do a little bit more research and due diligence yourself as a limited partner, somebody that doesn't have any control, right? You can't go and tell the, you know, syndicator, the sponsor, the general partner, what to do with the funds that you are giving them, they are the one ultimately who is in the driver's seat. And when we think about structuring funds, you have what we call a general partnership team, and that could be made up of multiple people. and then you have a limited partnership group, which could be made up of, you know one large investor or it could be made up of hundreds of little investors. But the limited partner and the general partner come together to pool funds and to ultimately work together to achieve a common goal, which is to buy a particular opportunity to generate a certain return. Now, of course, there are different roles and responsibilities. Within the general partnership group, you have things like what we call a sponsor, who oftentimes is just someone who is bringing the balance sheet the net worth, the capital and financial strength to the deal. Sometimes you're going to have somebody who is one who raises the money for the deal. They are the equity you know, and, and capital person that is out there pooling funds and bringing that into the general partnership. You might have the asset manager or the operator, somebody who is going to be operating the group and or operating the asset Or you could have somebody that maybe is all three of those things or all of the roles and responsibilities within the general partnership. So it really just depends on how they decide to structure, but you have your general partnership to simplify things, and then you have your limited partnership. And again, that could be comprised of one on each side or that could be comprised of many different individuals that fall within those buckets. Now, the con to a single asset is, of course, right, if it goes bad, well, you got all your eggs in one basket and that may be something that you want to think about when you're making that investment into a syndication. If you are invested into a fund that is investing in multiple assets, right, the pros of that is you've got, you know, more buying power, you've got the ability to have cash on hand that can be a little bit more swift and swooping in and executing on opportunities. (coughs) Excuse me. You've got, you know, the ability to diversify those funds across multiple assets and hedge your downside or your risks. The cons are you maybe can't see all of those assets. You can't go and touch all of those markets. And you know, your ability to complete due diligence, the capabilities of that becomes a little bit more limited. So you really have to trust in who is running the fund and running the entire opportunity of what assets that fund is buying. Then, of course, right, the third type of a blind pool, there's pretty self-explanatory risk when it comes to maybe not knowing, you know, what assets or, you know, product types or markets that fund is going to be investing into, and you're more so just trusting in the group and the track record and the sponsor who is running and managing and operating that fund. So to break it down a little bit further... You know, when you've got these syndications and you find an investment opportunity, now, let's say you guys buy that deal, you wanna know, in terms of operations, who is going to be taking what is on that, what we call pro forma. Pro forma meaning we put out an offering memorandum that summarizes and highlights what this deal is, what the business plan is, who the team is, what the returns are gonna be, and when you get clarity on all of those things, one of the things that you want to understand at a really high level is who's going to operate this asset. What I see here on this pro forma and the financial modeling or the what we call economic engineering of this deal that shows us, you know, all of the you know, financial numbers of the deal of here's what it looks like today and by us doing this in the business plan, here's what it's gonna produce for our investors as a return. You wanna make sure that there's a lot of people out there right now that are great salesmen and they can read a book, they can look at numbers and they can sell a story around a piece of paper that has these numbers on it and convince you that that's a good investment and return for you. But that's just one small piece of this entire syndication puzzle. In order to really understand whether or not this is gonna be a safe, sound, successful investment for you, you really need to understand who's gonna be operating that asset and who's gonna be actualizing what those numbers show on that piece of paper and bringing them to reality in the real world because it's one thing to engineer it and have the vision on paper, but it's a whole other thing for the team to be able to put in the work, to have the skills, have the resources, and have the ability to execute on that in real life. That is the hardest piece of all of this, and that's what separates really great syndication and operating groups and what really sets apart the rookies and the people who end up losing other investors' money. And it's really important that you do your due diligence on that because at the end of the day, they are the people who are going to be shepherding and stewarding your cash and your returns. And so you really want to make sure that what is on that piece of paper, it's a realistic plan and is how they approach it and execute on it can bring that to fruition. And so having two types of operators and understanding what these operators do and how this syndication is being structured is very important. The two types of operators are number one, self-managed. So that could be the general partnership group who has the deal, who's done the pro forma, who's written out the business plan, says, hey, we're gonna self-manage this asset because a lot of good syndicators, they realize keeping and having an operating team, a management group in-house is a part of their value proposition and being able to control their destiny and their fate. Now, sometimes there are other groups or other funds, right, that go, you know what? We're great at finding deals. We're great at raising capital, but we aren't the operating company. We don't have a great track record in this particular asset class, but we do have great relationships with third-party management groups who are going to be the ones who are ultimately right going to execute on operating the physical asset itself to capture the returns that that pro forma or that economic model for this specific opportunity is showing. So understanding as you look at syndication opportunities, is the general partner somebody who is going to be self-managing the asset? And do they have the track record for it? Do they have the ability and capability of doing that? Or do they have somebody else on their team who is going to be right doing that because they're the expert that they've decided to partner with and that is something that they've worked into their syndication and how they've structured it. And I'll give you an example. So on my three hotels, my boutique hotels in Lake Tahoe, I own and I operate all of those assets. So I self-manage. We have a full operating team. It's a 365 days a year operating company, right? Employees, payroll, workers' comp, benefits. We are a real legitimate company that owns and operates our assets. However, in the San Antonio Artista, our luxury boutique hotel, that's 120 rooms. It's got four restaurants and food and beverage concepts within it, a pool, All kinds of crazy technical services. I said, hey, you know what? I don't have that expertise yet. And I'm not going to pretend like I do. And as I raise money for this deal, the last thing I want to do is have that be a chink in my armor. So I decided, right, with Jake, we're going to go and hire the best third party management company we can find to fill that seat on our quote unquote team, our general partnership team, because those are going to be the people that their track record, their experience, their knowledge, their resources, their brand, their expertise, those are going to be things that make our team that much stronger. And we can't go and leverage right, the power of a company like that without bringing them in to this syndication opportunity. 4,000 plus employees, one of the largest boutique hotel operators in the entire world, I can't go and reduplicate that. So sometimes certain general partners will bring in certain people onto the team to help them operate and execute on the business plan and knowing whether or not that individual or that group or that GP is going to be self-managing or if they have a third-party manager of that particular asset, which ultimately, right, the general partner, the sponsor of the group, if they have a third-party management group, is going to be managing that third-party management group instead of managing the asset. So understanding the types of operators is very, very important. So now I want to shift over a little bit to talking about some of, and again, guys, this is all high-level stuff, many intricate details, but this will give you a crash course and a very simple playbook on how to execute on understanding whether or not, as you look at more investment opportunities, if you want to move forward in giving your capital to this particular syndication group. Now, talking about some of the benefits of syndications, this is something that oftentimes, you know, people ask me, well, why would I go and give my money to this investment group? And, you know, one of the things that I always tell people is, you know, there isn't a right or a wrong answer here. You know, it's all based on what your financial goals are and when you want to achieve them by and what type of effort energy and resources you're willing to allocate towards unlocking that outcome. And so when it comes to syndications like when people say ooh passive income you know mailbox money from real estate if you own real estate you know that that ultimately is not the truth. You know you're dealing with toilets, taxes, tenants, bookkeeping, phone calls all of the crap that goes with owning and maintaining a physical asset. You can't just set it and forget it. There is maintenance. There are things that you have to do on a daily or weekly or monthly basis to make sure that you're protecting that physical, hard, tangible asset and that investment. Right. So it's not fully passive, but of course we all know the power of real estate. I don't need to sell you on that. Now, when we talk about syndications, we're talking about true passive income investments. And here are some of the things that I consider benefits of a syndication and where a lot of people don't think about some of these things. And again, this is all in exchange for you not having to do a lot of these things that a syndicator is going to do for you and truly make this passive. Number one, benefit of a syndication is that you get to leverage the sponsor or the general partner. You get to leverage the sponsor's time, right? They're the one who went out and had to find the deal. They're the one who had to go and put all of the financing relationships in place. They're the one who had to go and do all the due diligence and all of the reports and find a way to put the team together, right? Number two is you get to leverage the sponsor's knowledge and their expertise. They're the one who understands, hey, this is the right investment and deal based on what we've, you know know about in terms of our expertise and our knowledge of this asset class in this particular space, right? They know how to find the right place and they know how to find the right time in order for that investment opportunity to move forward. You also get to leverage the sponsor's team. You don't have the team and the expertise and the ability sometimes to go out and connect with these types of individuals to get all the right people in the right seats in order for this outcome to be produced. So you get, right, to leverage their asset management experience and their team, their network of lenders and financial relationships. You get to leverage, right, them making sure that the asset performs and provides the returns that you expect. And that all comes back to the team. Probably I would put an asterisk next to if there were One of the most important things that you need to, one, do your due diligence on, and if done properly, has the greatest ROI and upside, the benefit of having a great syndication team in your corner can mean millions of dollars for you over the course of those relationships. So finding those types of people and leveraging the sponsor's team, very beneficial for you. Number four is, of course, leveraging the sponsor's experience, their contacts, their systems right? Sometimes, you know, there's platforms and processes and systems that either take years and years and years to work out the kinks on and to smooth out and to fully get the ROI on. Sometimes, you know, some of these uh, property technology systems, these CRMs, these softwares, they cost hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a month and or a year. And those are things as a small investor, right? If you're not doing these things at scale, You don't want to pay for those things, but when you're in syndications, you get to leverage those types of things and get the benefits of it. Number five is you get to leverage the sponsor's financial strength and savvy. This is really important. You get to leverage their balance sheet. You get to leverage their credit rating. You get to leverage the fact that they have enough cash on hand and reserves to get a slice and a piece of pie for a much larger deal than you could do on your own. And guess what, right? A bank a debt lender, they're going to make sure, you better believe they're going to make sure before they go and stroke a check for millions of dollars to buy whatever asset this syndication is buying that all of those things check out and you get to leverage that and feel confident in that. Number six is you get to leverage the capital of other investors, right? There's power in the economies of scale. You get to go and buy a bigger asset class that has maybe a bigger comma or a bigger, you know, couple of zeros in that equation that maybe you couldn't do on your own and that can often lead to a much greater upside as well. I mean, there's asset classes that I've literally bought an asset, I haven't done any extra work than I did on maybe a smaller asset class. It just had a much bigger price tag and ultimately as values increased in that asset I didn't work any harder for that. It was just because I had much larger multiples of growth due to the size and the scale of that. And being able to leverage other investors' capital can be a great way to get into some higher growth opportunities and asset classes. So one of the things that I think I like to boil down and I think is very important for people to understand is after you, you know, understand the syndication world a little bit. And my recommendation is to, you know, get on different syndicators deal lists. So that way you can at least start seeing more deals, right? The more you see, the more you're going to start to slowly connect the dots or the more that you see, you're going to start to see outliers of like, whoa, that's a good deal or, oh, that's a really organized investment group, or I like how they communicate, or they're really sloppy, or this doesn't make sense. It's going to give you the ability to, as you get on more investor syndication deal lists, to see more frequency of deals, but also to start asking more questions, to start connecting more dots, and to start finding maybe who some of the teams or some of the investment asset classes are that you want to invest in. So as you start to do that more, and if you guys aren't on my syndication deals list, we're closing out the Artista. We've got, I think, about a million dollars left to raise in our overall capital stack and raise. Um, you can find more information about that. Just text the word DEALS, and whether it's the Artista and our luxury boutique hotel on the Riverwalk in San Antonio that we're going to be breaking ground on here pretty soon, or if it's you know the distillery or multifamily apartments or more syndication opportunities that I'm going to be coming out with, you can get on my deals list by just texting the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. If you got capital that you want to place right now and you want to get into an opportunity, text me, 844-447-1555, the word DEALS, and that'll at least get us connected. But whether it's me or another syndicator, right, these are five important things to look for before you decide to give someone your money. These are very critical. I want you to take notes on this because This is ultimately what I see so many people overlook or they don't know to ask these things or to dig in on these things and therefore they end up giving their money to somebody that they probably shouldn't have. Um, And some of these people don't do these things with malice. It's just lack of experience, negligence. They don't know what they don't know and the investor doesn't know what they don't know so they give that person the money and ultimately it ends up being a train wreck. Whereas if you the investor can at least ask the right questions, do the right due diligence, look out for the right things or avoid the wrong things, that's gonna give you the ability to give yourself the best chance to invest in a winning opportunity. So five important things to look for before making an investment in a syndication. Number one, hands down, most important, number one is the team. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network Experience, track record, and do they have a brand to protect? Now, experience, right? The things that I like to look for is, one, have they been through um, a peak and a valley in the market cycle, right? Because certain investors that have only been riding high on the way up, and they haven't experienced a downturn or a trough in the market, right? They don't fully understand all of the things to look for, to protect for, to mitigate risk on. So those are some of the things that I always like to look at is, hey, have they been through a full market cycle, a trough and a peak, right? Number two is, have they been through a full cycle on a deal? When I mean a full cycle, I mean, have they bought an asset have they optimized the asset based on their business plan that you're investing on to produce the result and return that the investors expect and then either sold that property to close out and make all investors whole or had a capital event like a refinance, right, to get capital back to investors and make them whole and produce the returns that they were expecting. Have they closed the loop on a full investment, right? It's kind of like I heard a good analogy the other day. If, you were supposed to get on a flight with a pilot and he said that he was great at you know getting everything going and getting the plane off the tarmac and taking off and flying from one destination to the next, but he never landed a plane before and done it full circle, you probably wouldn't feel as confident in that ability of that pilot to do what was necessary from start to finish. Same thing with the syndicator, right? Making sure that from start to finish, they've seen a deal through full circle and what did that result turn out to be? The other one is, you know, do they have local market expertise in the team and do they have that particular product type expertise? If there's a syndicator that, you know, for example, is doing a mobile home park when they've only been doing single family homes for the last decade, that may be something that you wanna do a little bit more due diligence and dig in on. The other side of it, right, going to track record and brand to protect is on track record, you know, just having a track record of success and this not being their first rodeo. Those are things that are very important and things that you want to ask and that they should be transparent about. And here's the thing. Maybe the sponsor or one person in the general partnership group has a skill set of finding deals and maybe bringing some capital to the table, but they've never done a deal full circle themselves yet but maybe they have somebody else that they're bringing into their general partnership team to add strength and to fill in that gap right so that way that general partnership group is becoming more rounded to be able to right have not only the experience and the track record those are some of the things that people will do in terms of how they put together their general partnership team is Maybe one person has this strength and this weakness, but the other person has this strength and covers that weakness, right? So, those are some of the things to take into account. But most importantly, the other thing is do they have a brand to protect, right? Like for me, I always tell people hey, whether it's this deal or it's a deal next year, it's a deal five years down the road, I want you to do what's right for you. I want you to do what feels good you know, I plan on doing this for a very long time. My reputation is very important to me. I've never lost an investor's money. I've never not made an investor whole and given them the return that was promised to them. And I've got a brand and a reputation to protect. And so that's something that the right investors and syndicators that means the world to them that means way more than them making money because they know that at the end of the day referrals returning you know LPS and investors that is the lifeblood of their ability to go out and do more deals going forward so do they have a brand to protect or is this just some person that's hiding in the darkness and the shadows and ultimately if you know their brand crumbles they don't really care something to keep in uh, you know in mind when you are looking at the team. Then you've got number two. Second thing to look for before making an investment in a syndication is suitability. Very important. This really shows when I do my LP conversations, I think it's very important to ask these questions because it shows that you really care about the investor and what is best for them. And this is something that you should be thinking about as you're talking with potential general partners or sponsors on a syndication deal or if you're trying to syndicate right, talking with your LPs about is does this investment offering meet your needs and align with your goals? If somebody is, you know, retired and they need, if they're going to part with this cash, they need it to kick off cash flow. And this is an investment opportunity that's maybe a development and isn't going to kick off cash for the first three years and has a high risk profile. That probably isn't the most suitable investment offering for them. Versus the person who's like, hey, you know, I have a high risk tolerance and I make great income. I don't need any more income. I don't want to get taxed on more income. I just want to see my capital grow and be tied to great upside. Okay, cool. Then that checks the box of this investment opportunity makes a little bit more sense for you, right? So understanding the suitability based on their goals and what that investor needs, right? Suitability also takes into account their risk tolerance. Does the risk associated with this type of project actually align with what level of risk you're really willing to take right now? Something that you should really help them get clarity on because at the end of the day, you don't want to steer them into your deal and then all of a sudden, right, it wasn't the right fit and they're calling and they're you know upset and they're wanting their money out of the deal like that's not a win for them and it's definitely not going to be a win for you either so knowing these things up front will be very important for you and for them the last one is liquidity right so is this investment opportunity suitable from a liquidity standpoint if you're saying hey this is money patient money i don't need to see it for the next 7 or 8 years you know, I'm good. I don't need to live off of it. I'm not going to need to get it back anytime soon. As long as it's getting the returns that I'm looking for, it's good. Okay, cool. That's different than, you know, the person who's, you know, going, well, I was hoping to get my money back within six months. Okay, well, maybe then this investment opportunity isn't the right thing for you. So make sure the money you're investing or that they're investing, you can part with for some time based on what the investment is requiring. So we got number one, the team. Number two, suitability. Number 3, the market. Now, really we focus on the big 3. The big 3 drive demand in a market for a particular asset class. So, we've got number 1, job growth, number 2, income growth, and number 3, population growth. These are all very very important things when it comes to, right, having bodies, having consumers consuming whatever your product type is, whether it's a hotel, whether it is a multifamily property, whether it's a mobile home park, right? Job growth, income growth, population growth. And number four, which is kind of the you know secret underlying piece that you should not overlook is economic diversification. What do I mean by that? There are certain markets in Texas, certain cities in Texas that their entire city is based on what? That good old sludgy thing that comes out of the ground called oil. And if all of a sudden oil were to disappear from that particular market and there's nothing else in that economy that diversifies the health and strength of jobs, of income, and population growth, well, guess what? They always joke around. I think it's in Midland, Texas. I had a buddy there and he goes, You know, at the end of the day, our doctors, our dentists, you know, our landscapers, everybody's in the oil business because if oil goes down, oil is ultimately what drives that entire economy. So understanding the economic diversification of the market that you're investing in, very, very important. So the market is number three. Those three big drivers and then, of course, the fourth one with economic diversification being very important. Number four, the real estate itself, right? Right. We've all heard location, 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 very important. The strategy. So is this a new construction asset, a value add, turnkey, fix and flip, burr? right? The strategy doesn't mirror with the business plan. Do the economics of what the deal are saying are going to be produced align with the strategy that the operating team is going to execute on? And then, of course, right, the quality of it, very important. And then number five, five assumptions that you should think about, which are number one, projected rents to support what are on those financial projections, right? So just asking them for projected rent comps to support that. These are the assumptions that ultimately are assumptions, meaning we're plugging these assumptions in. we're assuming that these things are going to be in this deal. And therefore, when we do those things and those get plugged in and we hit those milestones, it's going to produce these returns and outcomes, So we're assuming that we're going to be able to do, right, in this case, we'll say these rent numbers we can hit and those are supported by these rental comps. Okay, that assumption makes sense to me, right? Reasonable rent growth. We're assuming that growth is going to happen at X percent year over year, which is therefore going to tie into these projections to produce this return. Okay, that makes sense to me. If all of a sudden you start asking them about their assumptions and they're saying, oh, yeah, we think rent is going to be at you know $5,800 a month when comps are showing $3,500 a month, or we're seeing rent growth going to be at 18% year over year, but it's really 6% year over year, right? You want to check those assumptions to make sure that what they're putting in that model is not just pumping it and making it look sexy when the reality of the situation is those assumptions just aren't true. So the assumptions, very important, physical and economic vacancy factors, of course, right, keeping an eye on making sure that any of these increases or big jumps are realistic and reasonable and supported by historical data, sales price projections, interest rate projections, you know, property taxes being adjusted after the reassessment on the sale. Um, Is the sponsor raising enough money to execute on the business plan, right? You want to make sure that, hey, they go and raise all this money after you gave them money to go and buy this deal, and oh, they come back twelve months later. Yeah, we didn't raise enough money. Uh, we need another, you know, million dollars, uh, dude. I thought you right. So you want to ask these questions and make sure that all those assumptions make sense to you. And again, it'll take some time, but the beauty is if you have the right people around you. You want to get a second and third and fourth set of eyes on any investment offering before you decide to take that leap, right? Over time, you're going to get more comfortable and feel more confident. But in the beginning, right, have the right counsel and people around you to give you that confidence so that way you don't make any unnecessary decisions or mistakes that ultimately can cost you big that you can't recover from, right? So those are some of the things that ultimately, if you can dial in And understand those five important things before making a decision and saying, I feel confident on the team. This investment suits my needs. The market makes sense and is moving in the right direction instead of the wrong direction, right? The real estate itself looks great. I like that. And all of these assumptions make sense to me. It feels good right? Then you're going to want to dig into their offering documents, you know, depending on how they structured it, the private placement memorandum or the limited partnership agreement, which basically just details out kind of all the laws and how things can and can't work within this investment offering and all the things that you need to know as an investor. And you sign the docs, right? And then you wire the funds and a great investment syndicator should be keeping you abreast with some frequency or rhythm of communication, whether that's, you know, most likely it's on a quarterly basis. You know, if it's a heavy project and they're going to be keeping you in the loop, you know, more frequently, maybe on a monthly basis, but usually it's on, you know, a quarterly or a biannual basis. And those are going to be things that, right, you feel like, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent news, you're in the know. Somebody who's stewarding your capital, you want them to keep you in the loop on everything that's going on. So syndications can be an amazing way to grow and build your wealth. They can be a passive way of growing and building your wealth. But of course, like anything that has great upside, it also has potential risk and downside to it, and you want to mitigate that. And the way you can do that is just being more aware. If you're aware of the potential downsides, right, you can build a moat around those particular things. You can get more comfortable and confident through asking the right questions, by doing more research and educating yourself on the things that are important when it comes to syndications. And I think at the end of the day, we're gonna see more and more people generate and build wealth through real estate syndications or funds. And that's giving more access to what once was really only for the ultra elite and wealthy private equity groups, hedge funds, boutique family offices. But now we're seeing people like myself, right? That are going, okay, I now understand these things. I know how to do this and getting into the game by partnering up with people who have more experience and doing right, great investment opportunities. And then as those seem to close out through full cycle and people are winning, right? then all of a sudden we're starting to see more and more people get into the game and go, I can do that too. So if you're somebody that wants to do syndications, hopefully this was helpful and valuable for you. If you're somebody that wants to invest in syndications, hopefully this was invaluable and uh, gives you a little bit more confidence on some of the things to ask. If you're an accredited investor, you want to know more about my deals, you want to ask questions, shoot me a text, 844-447-1555, and hopefully if there was any value that you got from this today, it's knowing that there are tons of different ways, tons of different vehicles that you can go and build wealth through, but when it comes to generating real passive income, you know, outside of stocks, right, and you know, bonds, and you know, some of the financial tools and instruments that are out there, real estate syndications are the holy grail, and they're amazing ways to go out and not have to exchange your time and exchange your energy and your effort if you can find the right horse that you want to jockey up on to steward your capital around the racetrack. So if you enjoyed the show today, all I ask, leave a five-star review in iTunes, share this with a friend, a family member, get on my accredited investor and deals list. And with that being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a Million and Beyond. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a conversation, A tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So, if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back, and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info, and how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always want to know, who do you guys want to hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844 447-1555. 447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a Million and Beyond. Cheers, my friend.